Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week I'm going to be highlighting some of the best answers and thoughts from our guests on multiple topics from this past year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, with only one week left of 2017, it would be awesome if you prayed and thought about the opportunity to give to this ministry. Year-end is a big opportunity for us, so if you're interested in giving to In Doubt, whether it's $5 or $5,000, you can text the word GIVE to 604-670-5179, or if you live in Canada, you can go to indoubt.ca slash believe, or if you live in the States, indoubt.com and click the donate button. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac, the host of the show, and today is Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you all. Or maybe you're listening to this later on in the weeks, perhaps on the radio. Well, Happy New Year's then, because that is fast approaching. Uh, if you're new to In Doubt and don't know who we are as a ministry, we are a nonprofit that seeks to bring the gospel to relevant issues of life and faith to cultivate conversation. Now, we do this primarily through a weekly radio podcast program, the one you're hearing right now, that usually, this, this episode's a little different, but it usually features a leading Christian guest. So I pretty much just ask questions to this guest, which can be from anyone around the world, and they just give me answers. So I ask questions that I think uh, young adults are asking about different issues of life and faith. Now, our ministry is unashamedly biblical, so all of our guests are going to be giving strong Christian applications uh, to the topics that we discuss. Now, we're, we're much more than a weekly audio program, though. Uh, we also write articles, you know, online about faith and culture. We also write little blogs called newsfeeds. Now, a newsfeed is a more spontaneous blog that summarizes very simply a current event in the world and then tries to help the reader think biblically and critically about it. You know, we can so often think that a news event is just political or, you know, just psychological or whatever it may be, but the reality is, is that they're also theological. Now, we also write, film, produce, and publish Bible studies for individuals and groups. Our latest that came out earlier this year, back in February, was on the book of Jude. It was called Jude for the Faith. And we also do live events that sort of mimic a TED Talk, if you know what that is, in a sense. You know, the idea is to pick a subject, have three speakers give a 15-minute presentation on the subject, and then have a live question and answer period with the speakers. You know, last year we did one on sexual identity, and it turned out to be a really uh, great experience. We exceeded occupation, and people just really enjoyed the evening. In a couple of months, actually, we're going to be hosting our second in Doubt live event on the subject of marijuana. We have some great speakers coming, and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be more information coming for that really soon. Anyways, I hope you can see that In Doubt as a ministry is alive, it's moving. We really want to help bring the gospel and its truths to the issues of our day so that we may know how to live well in the midst of our just ever crazy culture. Anyways, next up, I'm going to be taking you through some of the best conversations we had this past year, almost kind of like a roundup of 2017. I'll be bringing up tons of different topics, some of which aren't related whatsoever to each other, and then listening to some clips from uh, our guests. So if you're new to Window, this will be a great episode for you to get a kind of a glimpse of what we do. Although normally each week, like I said, it's just me chatting with one guest or maybe a few guests. Now, if you're a faithful Indel listener, you can enjoy this episode as a way of reminder of where we've been in 2017. The first episode I want to reminisce about is actually the first ever episode of 2017, episode 51, Why Study the Bible? It also happened to be the most listened to episode. 
ever on In Doubt. <laughs> so make sure to go check that out. There's a reason for its popularity. It featured a popular Bible teacher, especially amongst younger people. His name is Tim Mackey, and he's known primarily for his work with The Bible Project, which is an awesome organization, by the way. They're from Portland. They make all these tiny little videos that sort of summarize biblical books, um, obviously, of the Bible, and they're really, really helpful. Anyways, I called Tim to ask him if he wanted to chat with me about the Bible, how to, why we study the Bible, and he agreed. Uh, one of the questions I asked him was this. If a Christian knows the Bible generally, like they get the main plot points, then why do they have to keep going back to the Bible to read and meditate and study and so on? This is what he said. Well, uh, I, I bring it back to Jesus. Okay, um, good. <laughs> if I've um, devoted my life to follow someone, and if I'm trying to bring every part of my life to become consistent with their teachings and who they were and what they were all about, um, you're not just going to read about them and their teachings one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to immerse yourself in this, his story, the stories about him and his teaching. So yeah. that in and of itself gets you into a big section of the Bible. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to at least, uh, I don't know, in my mind, it makes sense that if I follow someone yeah. as the most important person in my life, I'm going to probably memorize some of their most important teachings. Right. I'm probably going to try and return to them time and again. I'm going to, so that I know my way around their teachings, yeah. so that when I come across things in life, you know, a relational conflict. Okay, what did Jesus say about forgiveness? Sure, yeah back to Matthew 18. And so that's just one thing is if you follow Jesus, it just makes all the sense in the world that you would make the, the stories and his teachings a, yeah. like a staple diet in your life. So good. I love that. If you call yourself a Christian, which means a follower of Jesus, it only makes sense that you'd immerse yourself in his teachings and not only his teachings, but what he deemed as scripture, what he read to be scripture, like the entire Old Testament. You know, we need to read, meditate, and study the Bible. In fact, later on in episode 62, uh, called Who Are You Listening To?, I was talking with the executive editor of Desiring God, David Mathis. Uh, Desiring God is the ministry that John Piper started up years ago. Anyways, when considering the many voices in our world and the importance of reading and studying the Bible, this is what David said to me. There has perhaps never been a more important time hmm. for us to be people who bore into what God has made clear in the scriptures and to linger over how God is communicating to us about himself, about his son, about the gospel, about his spirit, about us, about our world. Because as more and more information has become available, uh, people are accessing much more information, yeah. but at a very surface level. There, there's, I mean, there is, there's this constant competition for our, uh, for our awareness, for our consciousness, for our focus. Yeah. And when you're just scrolling quickly through a Facebook timeline or through a Twitter stream, you're picking up lots of little bits of information. They're very much at the surface level. Right. But where is the time when you pivot and go deep in something? Right. And exactly. if, there's, if there's anything you're going to go deep in, it would be God's word. You know, David brings up such a good point here. You know, we live in such a fast-paced, quick fact, bits of information world. Now, if you're a regular user of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it may be, and, and this isn't necessarily a negative thing, but if you're a regular user of social media, you are being nurtured to just 
digest little bits of information. In fact, if we don't consciously fight that, we're going to become accustomed to only accepting information that is given to us in these tiny little fragments. So, what David is saying here is, there is no better time than now to press pause on our constant intake of tiny little bits of information and, his words, bore into the scriptures. Now, the irony in it all is that, and this is so important for us as young adults, the irony in it all is the crazy, life-giving, spirit-enhancing, abundant life is not found in the tiny bits of info and videos on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's actually found in the Word of God in the Bible. Now, before we move on to another subject, I, I wanted to play something from another guest I had on the show about the Bible. His name is Peter Kroll. He's the president of Disciple Makers. It's a college and uh, university ministry in the States. Anyways, he's the author of a book that helps ordinary people study the Bible. Now, maybe you're listening right now and you've heard what Tim and David have said and you're, you know, you're encouraged to dig more into the Bible, especially as the new year is in full view. Uh, but you kind of feel lost in terms of actually reading and studying the Bible for yourself. Maybe you heard me say that, you know, the in the Bible is found the spirit-enhanced abundant life and you want that, but you're kind of confused on how to do that. Well, in episode 76, I asked Peter about the OIA method. It's a method of studying the Bible that he talks about in his book, Knowable Word. Peter graciously explained this method with a really good illustration. I can. The OIA method stands for observe, interpret, and apply. That's the O, I, and A. Uh, and it's a, a simple and straightforward method for, for reading the Bible. It's not just for reading the Bible. You can apply it to anything because OIA, observe, interpret, apply, is simply a way to describe how all communication takes place. Mm. We're just trying to, to codify the way communication works so that we have a way to approach God's communication with us. Right. Let me explain what I mean. If uh, I meet, met you in the street, yeah. and I said, hey, there, there's Isaac. Yeah. I might walk up to you, and I'll look you in the eye, yeah. and I'll have certain body language, and you'll observe Yes. my eye contact, my body language, and you might observe that I stick out my right hand right. towards you. And then you'll interpret that to, to mean that I must know you and I want to greet you. Right. And you'll apply that, hopefully, by reaching out and taking my <laughs> hand and shaking it and saying hello. <laughs> right. Okay. So when we observe, we're just trying to figure out what does it say? Mm. What's actually happening? When we interpret, we're trying to figure out what does it mean, and we're taking those observations and asking, what do those mean? Right. So it builds on it. And then in application, we're figuring out, how should I change hmm. as a result of what I've seen and what it means? Love it. So good. Anyways, let's move on, though. And by the way, this, this episode, like I said, isn't going to be organized nicely into four or five subjects, but we're just going to be jumping all over the place to sort of give you an idea of what we talk about and who we've talked to in 2017. 
Back in episode 55, we actually played back some of the answers that were recorded at the question-answer period of our sexual identity event uh, the fall previous. Now, if you want some theological and practical answers to some really good questions about sexuality, go ahead and check out episode 55 and 56. Anyways, I wanted to play back a response from Dr. John Newfeld, he's a Bible teacher at Back to the Bible Canada, when someone asked this. How can I respond when someone tells another person they're going to hell because of their homosexual sin? How do I now approach that situation? Here's the very powerful answer from Dr. John Newfeld. I think it's really unfortunate when any believer says to anyone, you're going to hell. Here's what we need to understand. We're all going to hell. Our sins condemn every one of us. We're deserving of it. That's the reality. So we shouldn't pick out on someone and say, your sins are worse than make you go to hell. We have all sinned. You want to know the biggest sin of all? This is it. Failure to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That condemns us outrightly. So Mm. stop talking that way if you do. I just had to put that snippet in there because it's just too good. You know, sometimes we have this, uh, you know, a certain sin in our mind that we've deemed to be the worst sin. Maybe it is homosexuality for you or suicide or, or something like that. But the clear fact that Dr. John so clearly establishes here is that failure to love God with everything that we are is the worst sin. So as we head into the new year, guys, let's not make any other sin besides the failure to love God with everything we are the big one. It's just not healthy to do that whatsoever. Now, speaking of sexuality, we also tackled a subject that is hard to sometimes talk about. Uh, you know, we, we never want to shy away from the tough topics. It's, it's usually the tough topics, actually, that most people are in doubt about. So, for, for the sake of the purpose of this ministry, we just have to tackle them. In episode 78, we talked with Covenant Eyes speaker and author Chris McKenna on the subject of pornography, the fact that it's still a huge issue today. Now, I asked Chris straight up just to hear the statistics again so that we might, you know, remember the weight of this issue in our day and age. So this is what Chris said. The numbers are just staggering when you just look at the World Wide Web. I'll I'll give you one example. Sure. The... The the largest pornographic website on the World Wide Web is owned by the same parent company. If you were to Google them, they would look like a very innocent SEO IT consulting company, but they are a private organization that privately owns every large pornography website on the World Wide Web. Every year they publish statistics, much like a public organization in the United States would publish an annual report on their business operations they publish an annual report of porn consumption. For the year 2016, there were over 4,500 centuries of time watching pornography. So what is that? What is that centuries of time? That's over 4 billion hours. So you think about if you break that down into centuries, over 4,000 centuries of time was spent watching porn. Right. So the the numbers are mind boggling for one website for one year that human beings are consuming an unbelievably large amount of pornography. And so, you know, we find that more and more it's young people that 41 percent of teenagers who would say they have strong faith periodically look at pornography. That's multiple times a month. One in seven women, adult women, would say 
that they view pornography at least once a month. And, and so, you know, the the numbers are just one side of it. We, 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 we know that there is a human being that's attached to, to every single one of those. And all the stats just point to the fact that we need to do something, that this is a, a growing concern at all levels, all the way down to young people. You know, it, it's crazy and it's powerful, and I'm so thankful uh, for Covenant Eyes and other like-minded ministries that are working so hard towards abolishing this slavery, which it really is slavery on so many levels. Now, if you want to hear more about this and hear about what Chris is doing, you can go ahead and listen to episode 78. It's called The Still Important Issue of Pornography. I wanted to play a clip from a two-week series we did earlier this fall at the beginning of September. Uh, I got to chatting with a Christian counselor named Brad Hambrick. We talked about the difficult subject of mental health and then kind of went deeper into the two manifestations of mental health, uh, almost the most popular manifestations, anxiety and depression. I asked him about what we should do if someone comes up to us and says that they have anxiety or they're struggling with anxiety. How should we respond? Uh, This is a very normal situation, I think, in many of our lives when someone tells us that they struggle with depression or they struggle with anxiety or, or so on and so forth. So here's what Brad had to say. It's a little longer, but it's totally worth it. And so when somebody says, uh, I'm experiencing anxiety, uh, I'm really anxious. I have anxiety. Um, we, uh, and I don't mean this um, in, a, in a simplistic way, we have no idea what they mean. Um, that at that point, assumptions are not our friend. Um, and, and so what we want to do is we want to ask, um, what's that look like? Uh, is this is this something that's been longstanding? Uh, can you point to some key events in your life? Um it uh, because it it may be that they have final exams next week uh, and they are pressing for some tests. Uh, it may be that uh, their parents are going through a divorce and there is great uncertainty about uh, what's going on in the next stage of their life. Um, sometimes what I find is that uh, anxious people are really, really sweet people. Mm. Uh, that the ability to empathize and place themselves in the life of another. Uh, so if we just take the, for instance, two people are out there, they're getting dinner together. One of them steps away. They say they're going to the restroom and their friend who is left at the table, uh, it's two minutes, it's five minutes, and they, they begin to think, what's going on with my friend? Right. Are they okay? Did they get a phone call? Did I offend them? Did, did they get food poisoning? That constellation of thoughts, if I ask you, is that compassion or is that anxiety? Um, well, the answer really uh, is both. Interesting. Even at the neurological level, uh, the differentiation between those experiences, uh, it's, the same, it's the same neurobiological cocktail. Interesting. We just place a different meaning on it. Uh, If that person is somebody that uh, we really like and we appreciate their concern, we call them sweet and compassionate. Uh, If they don't uh, and they kind of get on our nerves and we feel like it's overbearing uh, or they do this too much, then we go, no, that's anxious. Uh, That's not uh, compassion. And so just like dispositionally, uh, there are some people who are just naturally nice. And some people have to work at being nice. 
uh, there are some people who are naturally anxious and just the degree of certainty that they want and how much uh, information they feel like they need to have confidence in a decision and it, uh, well, we all have different degrees of risk averseness. So when our friend says, I'm struggling with anxiety, um, we should assume nothing and we should ask caring, compassionate questions. Right. And the direction that we want to go with them is what does it look like for you to honor God by stewarding all of your life well? Yeah, that's good. And we're going to have to get to know them and their circumstance. You know, earlier in the conversation between Brad and I, we talked about the fact that when it comes to mental illness, anxiety and depression seem to be most widespread, like I already said. So the facts and practical advice that Brad gives here is so important. Speaking of anxiety, back in September, we wrote an article about uh, anxiety, and I wanted to share with you just a few findings that I hope will encourage those of us who may struggle with seemingly uncontrollable anxiety and depression, especially around this time of year. It can be difficult. So anyways, listen to this. Paul and Jesus faced anxiety, two of the most probably profound people of the New Testament. Obviously, Jesus even more so than Paul. But anyways, Paul writes in Philippians 2.28 to the church in Philippi, he says this, I am the more eager to send Epaphroditus, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Again, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, Paul writes, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So even though Paul preached against anxiety, we, we can read that in Philippians 4, 6, he had to still deal with it. But what about Jesus? Did he ever have a deep and distressing concern for something to the point where his physical, mental, or emotional health was irregular? Because that's what anxiety is, right? It's this distressing, this deep concern for whatever the situation may be to the point where your physical, mental, or emotional health is irregular. Now, does that happen to Jesus? Yes. This is so interesting. In three of the four Gospels, we're told of how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane during the night of his betrayal. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what the Father had planned for him, the physical and spiritual agony and separation he was going to have to endure. And he began to feel anxious. And this is how he's described at this time by the three different gospel writers. Firstly, in Matthew 26, 38, Matthew says, He, Jesus, began to be sorrowful and troubled. Mark, in Mark 14, 33, writes, He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And then Luke in Luke 22:44 says, "And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground." You know, Jesus was not experiencing mere worry or or tension like we all feel throughout the day, but a deep distress for what lied before him. If you want to read the whole article on anxiety, simply head to our site and find it under articles. Now, to move on to something a little different, actually completely different, um, podcasting doesn't come without its funny moments, obviously. Now, one of those funny moments came in episode 60, which was a conversation I had with actor Evan Coons. First of all, side note, I am a sucker when it comes to funny people. I mean, I can hardly sit still when someone I find funny is in the room. I just it's burst into laughter all the time and I just get the giggles. It's terrible. But anyways, Evan and I talked about cultural engagement. It was a really fun conversation. I encourage you to listen to it. But one part of the conversation, it, it was probably the most awkward moment in the two years that we've been podcasting. Uh, looking back at it now, I can only laugh. But he, here's the context before I play the clip. 
Evan Coons is in a movie coming out. It's called Camp Mana, and I really want to see it. It's still not out, unfortunately, but anyways, it's going to come out soon. Anyways, he was talking about it in our conversation, and he mentioned the actor Gary Busey. Okay, I, I had never heard of Gary Busey, and that whole interaction is so awkward, and I just want to enlighten you if you hadn't heard it. So here's the really awkward, probably the most awkward part in all of In Doubt's history. And it is a feature film about an atheist kid who gets sent to a backwoods uh, Christian summer camp oh where um, Gary Busey is the runner of the camp. I don't know if you know who Gary Busey is. I do not. He was on The Apprentice. Um, okay. He, he uh, if you've seen the Amazon Fire commercials where he's, the guy's trying to stick the shell in the television. <laughs> I'll have and, to go uh, look that up after for sure. <laughs> he, he's, he's been in uh, uh, several... He's he's always play, usually plays a bad guy or a crazy guy. Okay, so, okay. If you've seen Black Sheep, have you seen Black Sheep? Uh, you know what? I know I haven't. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's you like, must no, engage no. in culture, my friend. Oh uh, my goodness, Canadians, uh, we got to get with this. How about Point Break? Uh, yeah. Not the new one, the old one with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Evan, I'm so sorry. Like, oh my gosh, you're who, killing me. Who right am now. I? Right? Exactly. Uh, uh, a lot of people confuse him for Nick Nolte. Okay. Um, when you see him, you go, "Oh, that guy." Yeah. Okay, I'll, you know uh, what? I'm gonna IMDb him right after this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do it right now. I'm gonna wait. Okay. <laughs> and then we're gonna edit this. We're gonna edit this, and then we're gonna, gonna edit go, this oh, just so yeah, I can know. I'm, I'm saving you right now. You're saving you me. Go, yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna make so sa- Gary uh, Busey, right? B U U S E Y. Yes. And then. Oh my. Audio engineer just said that he's embarrassed that I don't know who he is. Um, I totally <laughs> know this guy. Yep. Totally. Yep. <laughs> Lethal weapon. He's a bit predator too. There you go. Awesome. Some cult. Yeah. Some iconic movies. So yeah, exactly. Okay. Say, so let's play this again and you can yeah. play this however you want. I really don't care. <laughs> I think um, we need to keep this. I mean, I'm, yeah, this I'm is great. <laughs> but I will say Gary Busey and you'd be like, dude, I love that guy. Right. And then. <laughs> And then you say, I want to see this movie. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. Yeah, Camp Mana? And- yes, please. Okay, two apologies to everybody. Firstly, I'm so sorry for throwing all of Canada under the bus when I say that, you know, I was trying to make a point. Like, we Canadians don't know anything. I'm so sorry. So I apologize for that. Secondly, I still didn't really know who Gary Busey was. So, Evan, if you're listening to this, I totally lied to you. I don't know. I just never... His face kind of looks familiar, but I totally was still confused. Yeah. Anyways, time flies, and we already need to wrap this up. You know, I hope uh, you can make In Doubt part of your weekly schedule. We have tons of exciting things coming ahead in 2018. If you didn't know, In Doubt is a charity. We are a nonprofit, so we don't charge for anything that we produce. This means that our sustenance and growth is dependent on the financial gifts from people all over who believe in our mission to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that a lot of young adults experience, and we want to cultivate conversation. Actually, as we approach year end, like I was saying at the very beginning, we're trying to raise $75,000 for In Doubt for this coming year. Now, if you could be a part of helping us out in this way, we'd be so appreciative. We, we rely on God's provision through the generous donations of many people around this country. So it's simple. All you have to do is go to indoubt.ca slash believe if you live in Canada. Or if you live in the States, you can go to indoubt.com and follow the instructions by clicking the donate button. 
You can also call us at 1-800-663-2425 to make a donation. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or you can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 604-670-5179. 604-670-5179. And I just want to thank you so much in advance. Anyways, you should totally connect with us online throughout the week. We're regularly on Facebook, we're on Twitter and Instagram. We want to hear from you and see how you're doing. We want to hear your stories. We want to, uh, you know, have uh, topics and issues suggested to us or recommended to us to talk about. So please do that. Well, I'm Isaac, and once again, Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. And we're going to be seeing you next week as we have Andreas Kostenberger, a very great theologian, for two weeks to talk about truth in a culture of doubt. See you then. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.